Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home an auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> all right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine and More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friends experts my situation and they found me just the thing this sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch even with my picky family i know next time i need something i'm shopping at total wine and more welcome everyone to episode 117 of the nba podcast i'm brian taporic and today we're going to give brief updates from last time on the Kawhi leonard and jimmy butler situations we're going to discuss whether zaza pachulia is an intentionally dirty player and we're also going to talk about the houston rockets and toronto raptors and why they're Either of them are legitimate threats to make the finals this year. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. And also give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports. So check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FRS Hoops with a Z. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? Well, it would go better if Kawhi had played all year long because I had him as my MVP going in. Sure. So I'm just going to start this thing off asking you a question here because... What would Kawhi need to average for the <laughs> remainder of the season to win MVP? 120 points a game? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I literally, <laughs> if Joel Embiid could not win Rookie of the Year after playing 31 games and having numbers way better than anyone else, I, I mean, Kawhi Leonard, no, sorry, buddy. I think uh, you got to move that MVP pick to next year. Yeah. I yep. think it should it should yeah. still be binding though. Like if he actually wins it next year because he like didn't play this year and only played nine games so far, I'll still give oh. you credit. Yeah, nice. Yeah, okay. I can I can I can settle for partial credit. Okay, That's okay. Good. Yeah, like yeah. like I'm gonna claim partial credit if LeBron gets number two in the MVP voting because James Harden seems to be running away with this thing. Yeah, you just had Harden one year too early. Yeah, properly, properly. I mean, 
maybe I had Harden the right year and people got infatuated with triple doubles, but that's neither here nor there. We've we've debated that plenty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's give a brief update on the Kawhi stuff. So last time we were under the impression Kawhi was done for the year. Greg Popovich said as much. Adrian Wojnarowski and Michael Wright of ESPN said it's basically Kawhi's call. He's been medically cleared, but he just it doesn't seem like he was going to be back. They reported yesterday, however, that he plans to resume working with the team this week at their uh, practice facility with the hopes of returning by late March. More, what do you think about this? Because they would have, I mean, late March, you probably got two weeks and maybe three weeks before the start of the playoffs. Do you think it's worth the risk for the Spurs to bring him back? Or should they just say, you know what, get like 105% confident in your body, come back next year, you know, let's let's not risk you aggravating this thing and us getting into the, a similar situation next season. Well, that depends entirely on how he feels and how his body feels. Like if he feels one hundred and five percent ready to go, and if he if he feels ready by the end of March, then why not? I I'm assuming that they will still be in the playoff hunt at that point, mm-hmm. uh, still be in the playoff picture. So it would just make a lot of sense to to follow through with it and have him return so they can make a, a push in the postseason and just hope that they avoid playing Sasa Pachulia. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it, if it was any other team, I would think it's a no-brainer he comes back. But this is the Spurs who has held, you know, they held out Tim Duncan, what, in the you know early... In 2000. Season. Yeah. So yeah. it makes me think that they might still hold him out here. I mean... They have a 3.5 game lead right now on the Clippers. They're the fourth seed right now. The Clippers are the ninth mm. seed. They're three and a half games ahead. So they are still, I mean, we're assuming they will be in the playoffs. We don't know what seed they'll be. I guess it probably depends on what seed they get, too. Like, if they slip to seven right. or eight, I don't know if there's a point. Like, you're, you're probably going to lose to the Rockets or the Warriors in the first round anyway. So, yeah, I mean, I guess... I guess if you want to bring him back and let him get reacclimated to the pace of the game and just make sure he can, you know, make it through five, ten games and not aggravate this thing. Uh, if he's medically cleared, I guess so. But at this point, it just feels like it's might be more. There might be more harm than good in bringing him back this late in the season. But we can't really know, though, regarding the seed, because if he returns in late March, there's an, there's a chance they could make a push yeah. and climb in the rankings. That's true. I, I mean, I think, if memory serves, their schedule is horrendous the rest of the way. Like, I think it's one of the harder ones among that 3 through 10 group. Um, so, I mean, you know, they, they might... You're right. They, getting their best player back, they probably would make a push, but... You know, if they are, I guess we'll just have to kind of see over the next couple of weeks where they fall in this picture once he's, mm-hmm. if he's ready to return, once he's ready to return. You know, if they're three games behind the sixth seed at that point, it's like you're you're either going to get Houston or Golden State. You're probably going to get knocked out in the first round. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, I love what San Antonio has done this year, but... <laughs> <laughs> there's there's no comparison at this point. I mean, they're just too thin, and yeah. Kawhi would would need time to to 
get back to his usual self. I mean, when we said 105% ready, we're talking about his body being ready. Mm-hmm. There's there's also like a lot of questions about timing and acclimation mm-hmm. and all that. So, uh, yeah, I, more than likely he's not going to be the Kawhi of old mm-hmm. until next season anyway. I'm just the type of guy who prefers to see players back so they have a little bit of uh, court adjustment going into next season. Sure. So if he returns and he just gets a couple games under his belt, like he can carry that with him into the summer and go, oh, okay, it was nice just getting out there and you know get, get reacclimated to the court before I I attack my summer. Mm-hmm. And there's also the question of you know. Woj has been reporting for a month now that this injury situation has strained the relationship between him and the Spurs. So if he does feel ready and he does want to come back and the Spurs overrule him and say no, that could put additional strain on that relationship. But do you think they would? It seemed like Pop was almost annoyed that he yeah. didn't play. So I, I think that, I, and I don't think Pop would ever do that. Like when it comes to roster uh, or not roster decision, but rotation decisions, and that's that's all on Pop. And I don't think Pop at any point would would go to like the 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 lower lengths of saying, "Oh, well, I have a problem with your stance, so I'm going to hold you out." Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just that's not him. He's like, if you're ready and you want to play, and 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 we can get on the same page, let's go. <laughs> what, I mean, wasn't that and, the case with Duncan? Like, wasn't he healthy enough to play, and didn't he want to play? And Pop still held him out. And, and so, well, that was in 2000, though. That was yeah. 18 years ago. I think Pop has grown yeah. in 18 years. But, like, I, that might have been the smart decision back then. I mean, look at how long Tim Duncan had, you know, was a Hall right. of Fame level player. Like, the Spurs strike me as an organization. It's just in their philosophy to be extremely careful with their their players, mm. like, minutes load. And if, you know, they're they're cautious about injuries especially these lingering injuries so it wouldn't like i wouldn't be shocked if they at least push back on him coming back but well it's a fair point because like tim flirted with orlando that summer right and i i assume partly because he was a little stung by that decision by the spurs but ultimately he realized what was good for his career and he returned and it was a beautiful marriage so mm-hmm. I, i'm hoping that that Tim is in Kawhi's ear, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, that's that's. I I have a feeling at some point we're gonna get a Lee Jenkins story out of all this. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, I can just imagine their phone conversations, like Tim and Kawhi, just be like, "Hey, <laughs> hey, so you're not playing? No. Okay, okay. Talk later. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah." <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating to see how this develops over the next month. Because Pop did even when he spoke with reporters last week, he said I wouldn't be surprised if Kawhi didn't play this year. But he didn't say the San Antonio Spurs have ruled Kawhi Leonard out for the rest of the season. Exactly. Exactly. And the reporter right. even asked him that, and he was like, "I'm saying what I'm saying. Like I'm saying that I don't yeah. think he will come back. I'm you know they they said like is the organization ready to rule him out for the rest of the year? And Pop mm. did not say yes. So. Right. You know, it, it's it's an interesting storyline in this final month and a half of the season. We could possibly mm-hmm. see Kawhi Leonard back. But, you know, who we will see back more is Jimmy Butler. Because we talked last time when we recorded on Saturday, um, mm-hmm. right after they announced it was a meniscus injury. They, at that point, were still deciding how to treat it. 
Uh, it sounds like, according to Shams Sharania of Yahoo Sports, he's got a timeline to return of four to six weeks, which implies he went with the meniscectomy instead of the yep. meniscus repair. Um, again, quicker timetable to return. Often has long-term complications. That's the same thing that Dwayne Wade had, which he blames on like all of his knee problems now. So hopefully, knock on wood, Jimmy Butler will not regret this decision five years down the line but what do you think of it more do you think it was like do you think we again we don't know what the treatment options are like we're 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 not right jimmy's doctor here so i don't want to say like did jimmy make the right choice undergoing the meniscectomy like maybe he didn't have a choice and maybe the, the removal was the only option instead of a repair but right what do you think about just the Timberwolves over the next month without Jimmy. Um, and then how seriously do you take them now that he is probably going to be back? I mean, even if he's, if he's out for six weeks, he should still be back by the start of the playoffs. Right. So just to recap, we want Kawhi to return, but Jimmy, that's a different story because of the treatment choice. Mm -hmm. Um, None of us wants to see Jimmy suffer any long-term consequences like Dwayne did. Mm -hmm. And Dwayne himself has been out and say, you know, that that was the one regret that I had mm -hmm. over the course of my career was to, to get it fixed that way. I just I should have sat out mm -hmm. instead and, and thought of the long-term. Um, the thing with Jimmy is he's a high-minute player and he's a, he, he's a guy who handles the ball a lot. Like, everything is put on his shoulders. You can see, like, he was the heart of the Timberwolves this year. Mm -hmm. So, what I'm nervous about is him coming back this year and, and having to, once again, be ev Mr. Everything for him. And then for him to be in that same role three, four, five years down the line as well. Because that's when those complications can arise. He's played more or less 15,000 career minutes um and that's just the regular season that's not even counting playoffs mm -hmm. so it's not an, an insane number of minutes but it's a good chunk and he's not exactly getting younger so i'm, I'm kind of nervous if he if he delivers the same kind of impact this year that would certainly boost minnesota uh potentially past the first round if he returns it gets reacclimated to the court and his teammates and all that but I, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to sit here and predict what Jimmy is going to do because we just don't know. It's a significant injury, so it's mm. it's a it's a tough question. So instead, I'm going to answer what I think about the Timberwolves with Jimmy out, and I'm not overly optimistic. And and you know why? Everyone who listens to the <laughs> this podcast knows knows why. And I I, I don't want to sit here because it feels like I'm always crabbing on Wiggins, and yes. I I want to get a, a little bit away from that. That's not my point. It's just I feel you are going to ultimately overburden Wiggins with so much responsibility now that, that Jimmy's out. Mm -hmm. and, and that's that's a problem. I, I would rather see that burden go to Towns and, and and Teague and the bench guys, honestly. More minutes yeah. for Jamal, more more minutes for Shabazz, Muhammad, guys like that. I, I want to see this become a team that sort of goes against this idea of, oh, we have top three guys that we need to just run into the ground. No, <laughs> Now it needs to be a cohesive unit going seven or eight deep where they all pick up the slack from Jimmy. And then when Jimmy returns, they 
they ease him back into it if that's possible. Mm-hmm. Knowing Jimmy, I have a feeling that's not going to be possible. He's just going to return. He's going to give me the ball. Right. Give me the ball. Right. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I That was a fun look into Bulls Twitter the other night, too, with that guy who was tweeting us about Jimmy Butler being overrated. and. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I've... Yeah, yeah, I've dealt with him before. So, so just to just to tell that story, there's a guy I don't remember his his Twitter handle because I don't care. Right. Um, he he's for years, for years and years and years, he's been he's been uh, in in every Bulls blogger mentions, and he's more or less made the point that Jimmy Butler would not average ten points in the NBA if he was <laughs> not getting a lot of fake fouls uh because getting to the free throw line and all and he and he thinks the vast majority of the calls that jimmy gets are not accurate so he's he's helping he's willing to die on that hill that jimmy butler would it would not be able to score 10 points in an nba game if if the officiating was accurate so that's fun yeah that's fun it was an yeah. impressive hill to die on I'll give him that. It is, especially over the amount of years that this guy's kept going. It's, uh, I mean, at I, I'm almost, I'm not even mad. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm impressed. I, I, I mean, I just didn't, yeah. I, I didn't know that those people were out there, but good. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, like he believes Derek Rose is still an MVP candidate. Right. So yeah. you know, we have th- there are still those those people out there. Yeah, but to your point about the Timberwolves, I'm just gonna read you the minutes from their game last night against the Kings. Towns had 39. Wiggins, 37. Oh. Taj Gibson, 35. Yeah. Bielica, who's moved into the starting lineup in place of Jimmy Butler at 34. Jeff Teague had 33. The bench was only Crawford, 24. Jeng, 22. Tyus Jones, 15. And then Aaron Brooks and Cole Aldridge played one minute each. So, I agree with you in that I would love to see them become more well-rounded. Shabazz Muhammad did not play last night. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, surprise, surprise. Yeah, I just think this is the way Tibbs is going down. He's going to go down his way with an eight-man rotation. He's going to ride his dudes into the ground. So I before we move on, I do want to ask you this. Two questions quickly, I guess. A, mm. let's assume both Jimmy and Kawhi come back. Who do you think is the third best team in the West? And B, does anyone, even among Minnesota, San Antonio... Does anyone have a chance of knocking off either Houston or Golden State, or should we just pencil that conference finals in right now? I think we should pencil that in all right now, honestly. So it doesn't matter what <laughs> I think where they land. Um, I will say it's a it's it's just such a tough ride for for both you know San Antonio, Minnesota being right there. Mm-hmm. Had they had like had the Spurs had Kawhi healthy all year long, and had Jimmy not gone down. I think that would have been an in- extremely interesting top four mm. for the West to go into the playoffs with. I mean, Golden State, uh, Houston, Minnesota, San Antonio. That's that's an intriguing top four. And then you have all those wild cards in Portland. And hey, man, the Pelicans are yeah. right there right now. Yeah. Uh, and a wild card in in OKC, maybe Denver. I mean, that. I really hope on some level that next year this is going to be the same sort of format in terms of the teams involved because uh, the, the way that the that the Western Conference playoffs is shaping up right now, at least amongst the teams that's involved, that looks mighty fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you'll, you'll add the Lakers when they get LeBron and Paul George too. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> and, and, De, and DeMarcus Cousins right. also, obviously. Yeah. 
Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine and More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine and more. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in-store or online at TotalWine.com. Okay, boy, let's move on from that. Let's talk about Zaza since you brought him up earlier. He got into yet another controversial play the other night, uh, I believe Saturday, when they were playing OKC. Um, Russell Westbrook fell to the ground, and it looked like Zaza, he might have gotten clipped, I think, by Nick Young. He, like, might have gotten hit in the back of the leg. But in real time, and even on a bunch of the replays, it looked like Rust fell down, and then Zaza, without any provocation, just kind of clumsily fell on top of Russ's legs. And naturally, yeah. Russ, after the game, was really pissed. Said, you know, he just, like, look at his history, basically. Like, yes, it was dirty. Kyrie Irving on Instagram said the NBA needs to take a look at this. You know, as you alluded to more, Kawhi, yeah, with Kawhi last year, uh, Zaza stepped on his foot, hurt his ankle, and he was out for the rest of that series. Do you think the all of these things suggest that Zaza's a dirty player, or do you really, like, a lot of his teammates came to his defense, Kevin Durant included, and just said, like, he's basically just a big clumsy idiot? Which side? I think there's some truth in that. Yeah. No, I mean, I think there's definitely truth in him being a clumsy. I don't want to say idiot. I don't know the man, but but I, I he's definitely he's definitely clumsy. But it is possible to be clumsy and dirty. Mm-hmm. So and I don't think the Westbrook thing is the best example to bring up as 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 a term of him being dirty, mm-hmm. because that was not as intentional, I think, as it was against Kawhi last year. Mm-hmm. This was him. He could have done more to get out of the way. Of course he could have. Mm-hmm. But I don't think this was him being completely evil-minded on, on like last year. That was him at his most clumsiest. Mm-hmm. And just that personality of his where he doesn't really give a damn. And he just lands where he lands and whatever happens, happens. So I, I think both statements are true. I think he is dirty mm-hmm. by heart. And I think he is clumsy as well, which is just a bad cocktail. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I don't think you know Kevin Durant coming out and saying, "Oh, I don't take that seriously," because that's his teammate. He has to say those things. Right. If if he had still played on the Thunder and that had happened, he would have been in Russ's defense immediately. So I can't really take what what teammates are saying that seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like a fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you situation where you're right. I, I don't know I, that this rust thing was the worst thing he's ever done, but now right. like it's an accumulation of incidents that 
after a while you just have to start wondering like really all of these are unintentional but that said oh yeah yeah no i don't think they're i don't think this one was unintentional i just Mm -hmm. i don't think he he didn't do everything he could to get out of the way is what i'm saying like i don't think when he fell down on russ i i don't think he he was going through oh i'm gonna hurt this as some old bitch right i don't think he was thinking that i just think he went down and then just oh i'm gonna fall on russ and but like he we're didn't gonna even, get up afterwards he didn't need to fall he wasn't right he was like planted solidly on the ground and then he yeah. just kind of like stumbled and went right, right on his <laughs> legs like it, it it looked bad i mean i don't you know yeah. we'll never know for sure but it didn't look like he needed to fall and then all no. of a sudden like big man goes down and right on his legs and you're right more like he could put his hands out and like brace himself for the fall no he just went like right he could have on, done a lot of things yeah he just right. dropped 250 pounds on russell westbrook's knees yeah hey. no it's it's a bad thing and it's uh, he's he's a weird guy i i can never get I can never get like a, a proper idea of who he is, like how he's wired, because he can have games yeah. where there's there's no like there, there isn't even a brief moment of controversy surrounding him where he's just playing hard, doing everything, and then out of nowhere he does these completely malicious things. Like he's, right. you know, with different players, you always have it. You see some of it. Like if you go all the way back to Dennis, yeah. Dennis Rodman, of course. Um, like you would see him already at the beginning of games, like poke a little bit here and there, mm-hmm. and then things was would kind of escalate. Like Saza just quits the middleman there; he just <laughs> goes for, for the straight escalation point with that reaches. It's just weird. Yeah. He's he's a weird guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and to in in, uh, in his own defense, even his own teammates are not safe because he was the one who banged into Kevin Durant's knee in that last year. Oh, that's that's almost, right. Almost not KD out for the year, so. Maybe I mean I think you're right, Mort. I think there is some clumsiness involved. I don't think I I don't want to say he's like a hundred percent malicious, but right. it does feel again. It just feels like, especially the rest thing. It, that just seems beyond clumsy. It seemed a little dirty too. Oh yeah. Oh and and hey, look, he's 34, so we can hope that he says after this season that. It, He's done. Calling the quits, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I don't think anyone would mind. No, for the sake of knees everywhere. Like, God forbid him and Joel yeah. Embiid meet in an NBA final someday. I would just, oh man, have to clutch a rosary the entire time. Uh, speaking of the Sixers, Mort, we should talk about their newest addition. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks have reached a buyout agreement with Ursan Ilyasova. When he clears waivers, he is reportedly signing with the 76ers, with whom he played last year as well. Uh, mm-hmm. before, or I guess, no, it was after the trade deadline. They also signed, um, was it? Yeah, yeah, it was after the trade deadline, before the oh, All-Star yeah, break. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. signed Marco Bellinelli as well. So that is two free agents, Mort, that they brought in. Uh, I just want to shout out everyone who in the last four years said the Sixers toxic losing culture meant they were never going to attract a free agent again. Good, good job on you, everyone. Great, great takes. Uh, oh, easy. It's Marco Bellinelli and Ursan Ilyasova. It's not LeBron James yet. yet. Relax. <laughs> yet. yet. I'm, I'm, I've said yet, but that's because that's a segue for later. Yeah. Uh, but more. Yeah. How do you do you think those guys are going to move the needle for the Sixers at all? I, I actually do. Yeah. Usually when you get players like Ertz on Ilyasova, 
and Marco Bellinelli, and you look at them as sort of bit players, mm-hmm. you know, guys who can play 20 minutes and back up a position, start here and there, and break glass in case of emergency kind of situations. But the two of them combined are, are very decent shooters. They are solid veterans. They, from everything I've heard, they're great per- locker room personalities as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that does move the needle. Now you have a guy who can come in and shoot, which I think is a, a proper way to sub out Ben Simmons mm-hmm. more. Um, so you can you can play a lineup that has Marco, Urzan, Embiid, Saric, I mean, and and Redick theoretically. So that's a lot of shooting. So when it becomes necessary, Philly can go on this five out attack when it's when it's necessary, mm-hmm. which I like. I like that sort of flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, their bench has been horrendous all year. Like, their starters have been phenomenal, especially once Dario moved into the starting lineup. And then they go to their bench, and they, like, this is the thing they do. They build these 20, 25-point leads. Their bench comes in, and it just goes poof. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think Marco has already made a notable impact in the couple games he's played with them. He's been a great three-point shooter off the bench. Ursan, as I mentioned, played with the Sixers last year. I mean, people people around Sixers Twitter are somewhat lukewarm on Ursan signing because he had a permanent green light last year. So I think people are just having flashbacks to him shooting like 11 three-pointers a game, which I do not expect to be the case now that they actually have real NBA talent on the team. Uh, but the Ursan the and Bede combo was actually pretty potent last year. Um yeah, as you mentioned, more the shooting especially is going to be huge for them. Mm-hmm. So, if this means their bench stops coughing up leads, it, you know it, it's it's interesting. I saw um, some I forget who on Twitter. Oh, uh, I'm not gonna say his name right, but um, Bob Vulgaris, the gambling guy, said the other day that he thought the Sixers had the third best the third best roster on paper in the East which I thought was really interesting. Because, oh. like, I mean, you know, you, you have a... As you said, Mort, a Bellinelli and Ilyasova are not... You don't want to rely on those dudes for 35 minutes a game, but as 15, 20, 25 minutes off the bench, I mean, as we... I think we talked about it last time, Timothy Luau Cabrero has been not totally disappointing, but he hasn't... He's been inconsistent, I'll say that much. We don't actually know who they're going to waive. Alex Kennedy of Hoops Hype reported it's probably going to be Trevor Booker, which just makes the most sense because um, his contract is expiring and they he and Ilyasova play the same position. Uh, but yeah, it's just going to have... Having that many shooters at your disposal should really help the Sixers stop blowing so many goddamn leads, which is exciting. Yep. But... It's it's unfortunate though with Booker because we both loved that addition. Yeah, it hadn't exactly panned out in the way that it probably should, but like he's still a very solid veteran, so yep. I'm sure that he's gonna get picked up yep. somewhere. Definitely. Uh, I I mean he's not gonna be on the market for long. No Spurs. Hi Spurs. Yeah, he could use him. Yeah, I mean the, so the deadline I believe is March first for someone to get waived and they can be eligible to join a playoff team. So I'm assuming. I mean, it's we're recording this on February 27th. I don't think it's a coincidence that the Sixers are making this move now. I think they're going to do right by whoever they waive, presumably Booker, but they're going to do it 
before that March 1st deadline so he can latch on with another team. And yeah. Kennedy said there's a lot of interest in Booker. It wouldn't surprise me at all, as you said, Mort. See him, where I mean, wherever, whichever team has an open roster spot, Spurs, Warriors, Rockets, Cavaliers. Uh, oh, the Cavs do. Probably not Houston, though. Yeah, I mean, Houston's got plenty, I guess. I don't know if they have yeah. an open roster spot. The Cavs do, though, right? Not sure, but if they do, that would definitely be a, a guy who can come in and play the tough guy role a little bit more. Yeah, especially while I Kevin wouldn't mind Love that. Is out. Yeah. It's going to be, yeah. And who could even take minutes from Tristan Thompson and, and show that, you know, he's actually got balls. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see where he ends up. But I'm feeling, I'm not going to jinx it yet. The Sixers are have are five games up on the Pistons now. So I'm starting to feel a little bit confident in their chances of making the playoffs. But they, as they proved against the Bulls the other night, they are still not immune to almost blowing leads against terrible teams. And they have a bunch of terrible teams left on their schedule. So if they take care of business, they're in. But they're still a young, dumb team. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine & More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine & more. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine & More. It was crazy! They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine and more let's pivot more let's talk about good teams now we haven't i think you mentioned this an episode or two ago we have not given the toronto raptors nearly enough love for what they've done this year they are currently this is again this is tuesday february 27th so as of now they are the number one team in the eastern conference at 42 and 17 they have a half game lead over the boston celtics They are seven games ahead of the Cleveland Cavaliers. So even if Boston overtakes them, they are going to have home court advantage in the first two rounds of the playoffs, assuming they get past the first round. Mm. How do you feel about the Raptors, Mort? Do you think they're a legit threat to make the finals this year? I I think there are areas in their game where uh, they've they've simply improved to the point where you you can't really ignore them because... Mm -hmm. Like if you look at their three-point shooting, which was always sort of suspect, mm-hmm. partly because of Demar Derozan, mm-hmm. like they're seventh in the league right now in makes and sixth in in attempts from behind the arc. They are not fantastic efficiency-wise. They are currently twentieth in the league in three-point three-point field goal percentage. So they need to convert a little bit more. But the fact that they're taking them at a much higher rate just gives the entire defense that they're up against a different look, mm-hmm. allowing them for more drives and whatnot. Now you come to the free throw department, where they're second in the league in free throw percentage, hitting almost 81. That's huge. 
Because if you have a team that collectively can hit free throws, especially in the playoffs, that's just squeezing out a lot of points. Mm -hmm. Then we go to the blocks department with their second, and that's partly because of Serge Ibaka and, and a collective group that has decent shot blocking ability. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, shot blocking is not necessarily a, uh, a stat that indicates true defensive value, but it is something that teams look at. If you are a strong shot blocking team, well, opponents know that going in, and they might hesitate going to the rim. And the final thing is, they are pretty low on the turnover department. Mm -hmm. They're third in the league in protecting the basketball. When they do that, these what, so what they've done here is they've secured themselves a whole new way of functioning. They are now a low turnover team, so you can count on them to protect the ball. They are no longer this hesitant, long-range shooting team, so now they're getting these looks, and you can't foul them because they're going to convert at the free-throw line. Mm -hmm. Those are just in, incredible changes from the from the dynamic they used to have, where it was very ISO ball and it was very reliant on well, we sh we should get to the line a whole lot, but that's really our only offensive way to be be efficient because the three ball isn't there. We're relying way too much on Kyle Lowry for that. So they have this this sort of identity now, which I really appreciate from them going in because in years past, that what was their identity really? Mm. It was oh, they're here, they're sort of good, but eh, we don't really know a whole lot about them. It seems they've come closer to finding out who are they as a basketball team and what do they do well, where can they hang their hats. So I'm really dicking Toronto this year. And look, I've been crabbing on them for not giving Jonas Valanciunas more minutes. Mm -hmm. I'm, st I'm still not at that point where I feel he's playing enough, mm -hmm. but at least they're using him better now than they were at the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. So he's sort of found his way throughout the course of the year. Uh, 22 minutes a game is still, in my mind, about five to seven minutes at least low, too low. Mm -hmm. uh, and if I had my way, it'd be 32 minutes. But whatever works at this point. And they found a way to keep Jonas engaged. He's shooting threes. He's hitting three throws. He's rebounding. He's scoring. Um, it just kind of works, uh, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, to your point about them not knowing their identity last year, I feel like their identity was iso ball, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, they, last year they had, this is according to Synergy Sports on NBA.com, 8.5% of their plays last year were isolations. That was the sixth most in the league. This year, they're down to 5.5%, which is tied for the sixth fewest. I mean, yeah, that's a huge turnaround. Yeah, it doesn't sound... I mean, a three percentage point dip doesn't sound all that impressive, maybe. But, I mean, isolation is one of the least effective ways of scoring in the NBA. So right. for them to pivot that much into, hey, we're actually going to pass the ball and you know try to generate offense using real plays instead of bail us out DeMar DeRozan, bail us out Kyle Lowry, like that's what often came back to bite them in the playoffs. And that's what mm. my Sayajiri said last year after the playoffs. He said, we need to find a new way of looking at things. This one-on-one -on -one ball is not working. It's been our downfall for the last couple of years. So at the time, we just weren't sure if that was, you know, just a frustrated uh, general manager speaking, and they would come back and run the same system, and then the same thing would happen. They really, truly have change the way they do things and i think mm -hmm. that's you know the the common refrain with toronto is 
well, haven't we been here before? They've been the top three seed. We see what happens when they get to the playoffs. Why do we believe in them? Like, we'll believe it when we see it. But, right. I mean, this is a different Toronto team than we've seen in years past. Like, we should not we should not think just because they're wearing the same uniform and they have the same names on the back that this is the same type of Toronto team. Like, this team, I mean, they are one of... They're the only team, aside from the Golden State Warriors, to be top five in both offensive and defensive rating right now. That's saying something. I, I want to give the two of us a little bit of credit, though. Because you and I had a feeling that the addition of C.J. Miles mm-hmm. was going to change the way that they play. Mm-hmm. And that was accurate because they had Corey Joe. That was part of the... Well, it actually wasn't a trade. Corey Joseph was just... I, they signed... CJ Miles mm-hmm. and then Indiana, was that a trade? I, with did Indiana sign it was con- Corey Joseph I, or was it a trade? Yeah, I don't remember if they. I think it was originally reported as a sign and trade, and then they might have backed out on that and just done it as two separate transactions. Yeah, if memory serves correctly, but yeah, I mean, the, it it was ultimately whether a it swap. was called yeah whether it was called a trade, it was just a swap of Corey Joseph for CJ Miles. Exactly, and and Corey Joseph, I love Corey Joseph, yeah. but he's not a high-volume three-point shooter. He's more of a floor general who can break down a defense and get it into the lane. Mm-hmm. And there is definite value in having that, but not necessarily on a team where DeMar DeRozan is on it because he does right. it to a much better extent and to a much higher degree. So having a, having a guy like C.J. Miles who can just bomb away from three on high volume and like i'm just looking over his numbers right now per 36 minutes uh miles is taking 12.3 threes a game like he's jacking though he's playing just over 18 minutes a ball game Mm -hmm. and shooting 6.3 a game so he's just he's jacking up threes and hitting them at 38 and a half percent which is completely fine that's a fine percentage Mm -hmm. um that just, that gives them more looks. It gives them a an opportunity to to play a little bit of of um, UCLA type basketball, <laughs> driving kick, driving kick, driving kick. Yeah. Because those kickouts they become valuable. You have Kyle spotting up. You have CJ spotting up. Now you kind of have Jonas Valanciunas a little bit mm-hmm. spotting up. Obviously, Serge Ibaka can shoot. You have OG Anunoby who can shoot. Uh, even DeLon Wright, who's come in sort of out of nowhere after being benched for so long, mm-hmm. is hitting almost 13 on on the three ball. Mm-hmm. So it's just a different dynamic, and I I kind of like it. What what I'm even what I'm really impressed about is Norman Powell has not really delivered this year. Yeah. I thought he was going to be instrumental in whatever turnaround they were planning, Me but too. like they they can they did it without him. Right. It's sort of like he was a part of it. He's a part of the rotation, but. Yeah. He's not like necessarily a major positive impact player right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of one of the... Well, on the Miles point first, uh, he's only shooting 39.8% overall, but like, what, 75% of his shot attempts are from deep. So that, right. that, is, right. that is making his overall field goal percentage look worse than he's actually playing. Oh yeah, his true shooting percentage is 57. Okay, yeah, there you go. Um, so... Yeah, But to your overall point, yeah, about Powell and just... I think that's another one of their major strengths is that they go a legit 11 deep. I mean, mm-hmm. and 12 if you want to include Bebe Nogueira in there as well. 
uh, right. you know, yeah. I mean, that's a, it, that, I guess that's, it's a strength for now during the playoffs when rotations tighten, I guess you could be, you could take it either as a positive or a negative. Like maybe they just continue running their rotations as they have now. The only two guys mm. on the Raptors who are above 30 minutes per game are DeRozan at 34 and Kyle Lowry at 32.1. And then Serge Ibaka is at 27.8. And then the next one is Valanciunas at 22.1. He's their fourth yeah. leading minutes getter. Like, they have a bunch of guys in that 15 to 25 range. They have eight Oh, yeah, they're fresh. Yeah. Like, they are so fresh. Coming into the playoffs, this... I mean, this cannot be understood. I'm so glad you brought that up. This is going to be the freshest team when the playoffs begin. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Like, from top to bottom, these guys are going to have the best legs. I mean, I'm sounding like Trump here. <laughs> these guys are going to have the best legs. But that it's it's true. They are. Right. Yeah, I mean, I again, and I don't know if that's... In some way, the freshness will help. In some way, you know, if Dwayne Casey suddenly goes to a seven or eight deep rotation, you know, the depth suddenly becomes less of a a selling point as to why the Raptors can make the finals. Because, you know, then uh, Jakob Pertl gets bumped out of the rotation or Norman Powell gets bumped out of the rotation. But I kind of think he's just going to keep going the way he has. Like, I think the reason yeah. Valanciunas isn't playing as much as both of us would like is because Jakob Pertl's playing well and Pascal Siakam is playing well. Like, they have a bunch mm-hmm. of guys who they can rely on for 15, 20, 25 spot minutes. Like Fred Van Vliet. Who we haven't mentioned. Yep. He's shooting. Oh yeah, right. Forty-one percent from three, almost. Like. Yeah, Fred's been good. Yeah, they have a bunch. Like none of these guys are, re- like nationally recognized, well-renowned names, which I think is probably the reason a lot of them are flying under the radar. But like they have just a mm. bunch of role players playing very well, which could come, you know, if they if CJ Miles has an off game. All right, cool. Call on, uh, OG. Or call on Van Vliet. Or call on DeLon Wright. Yep. Like, they have so many options at their disposal. So, the reason I asked this, Mort, is because I was looking at uh, ESPN's BPI playoff odds, which are based off of the basketball power index that they run. And, and mm-hmm. Naturally, I was looking at this because I was nervous about the Sixers, who, according to that, have of course. a 98.9% chance of making the playoffs. Um, but I, the thing that caught my eye was Toronto has a 24.1% chance of winning the NBA title, according to that. The next Ooh. closest team in the East is Boston at 3.8%. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. whatever whatever code is going into the BPI really likes Toronto's mm-hmm. chances, not only of making the oh. finals, but of beating the Warriors or the Rockets. I mean, I'm probably not going to take it that far. Mm-hmm. But I want to say that they are hitting, as I alluded to previously, they're hitting on the right elements. Yeah, They are, like, they're shooting threes. They're blocking shots. They're not turning the ball over. They're hitting the three throws. Like, these are some of the staple things in an offense uh, that they just sort of took care of. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm glad you brought up Jakob Pertl because he's been excellent. Like, th- this dude is so efficient shooting 65 percent from the field like he's very selective about his shots and i'm glad that he is because he's in a role that allows him to be because he's flanked by so many shooters 
So it just makes sense for him to not force the issue. And he's understanding this in his second season, like, okay, I'm going to take the shots available to me when they come, when they arise. Mm -hmm. If that means I'm only going to take two shots tonight, then so be it. If I get 11 the other night, it's fine. That's the way it is. I'm going to convert. Mm -hmm. And there's... I, he's a great shop logger. I'm not sure the defense is quite there yet, but I'm getting sort of a Steven Adams vibe mm -hmm. from him a little bit. Yeah. Which which I like. I don't I don't think he's going to be as impactful of defender. Right. Um but I could I could imagine him being somewhat having having a similar impact down the line, maybe just in a different direction like as a scorer instead. Mm -hmm. But in in conclusion though, when you look at Toronto right now, you also look at there's only one guy, DeRozan, mm -hmm. who shoots more than 15 times a game. The yeah. second on that list is Kyle Lowry at only 12 and a half. So this offense is spread out. There's a little bit of a 2004 Pistons vibe to this team in terms of the shot distribution, yeah. which I really like because when you only have one guy who takes like 18 and 18 is not really a lot of shots when you think about it. Right. Because there are a lot of guys out there who take more. Yeah. That means that you are going to come into a game and you're going to be unpredictable. Mm -hmm. The defense is not going to be sure where those shots are going to come from. Yeah. Like you, you, we've seen games where DeMar DeRozan takes 30 plus. We've yeah. also seen him where he takes 12 plus, and that's just about like 12 to 15 shots. Mm -hmm. It's what happens in the flow of, the, of an offense, and Toronto has figured that out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,. I think at this point it is safe to say if you going into the playoffs, the Toronto Raptors deserve to be considered the top dog. I mean, I know Boston has been right along with them this whole season, and LeBron James in the playoffs is a completely, you know, he, he turns it on, and as will the Cavs. But mm. I, I think it's, it's reasonable to buy in on the Raptors this year. I don't think this is the same old Raptors. I think they have a very legitimate chance. As you said, Mort, I'm probably not picking them against the Rockets or the Warriors in the finals, but I, it wouldn't shock me at all if they get there. No, me neither. And and look, here's the thing. I, I think the situation would have been different if Gordon Hayward hadn't gone down. Then I think Boston would so supremely have been number one yeah. that, that we would have mentioned Toronto sort of like, oh, they're not Boston, but look at what right. they've done. It's great. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's really unfortunate to beat Boston this year. And I, I even believe I, I I saw a tweet the other day. I, I don't know if it was Danny Ainge or Brad Stevens. Someone sort of confirmed, you know, Gordon is not going to return this year. Yeah, yeah, Don't yeah. get your hopes up. Yeah. So, so uh, uh, next year it's going to be a different uh, picture i think when it comes to the playoffs i don't expect toronto to necessarily lead the pack next year mm -hmm. but given that this year they have and gordon did win down and all that I, I think they are very deserving of the number one yeah well next year the sixers will be number one when lebron comes to them oh my god you are <laughs> you are unbelievable Just, you, you never improve <laughs> i'm gonna ride that train until it until it derails on July 1st. Let's go. Or I guess July like 8th because LeBron is definitely not going to decide on the first day of free. Oh, no. He's, he's, he's on vacation. Yeah. 
Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine and More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine. And more. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. All right, we're, let's pivot to the other side of the, the Western Conference now. Because, uh, you know, we, we've all assumed since the beginning of the year that the Golden State Warriors are going to win the NBA championship. They're right there. They, I mean, they're not, at, they're not at the level that we expect them to be at in June. But, I mean, they're, they're going to cruise at least to the conference finals in the West where they are likely, mm-hmm. as we said earlier this episode, to meet the Houston Rockets. Where, do you think the Rockets have a chance of knocking out the Warriors in the seven-game series? So before I answer that, I am just going to tell you something here or read up a stat okay. or what have you, but okay. there's a backstory. So I'm an old internet message board uh, guy, I, I started signing up for message board all the way back in in 2003, back on the real GM forums, and I was there for many many years. And one of the things, whenever we would discuss players, we always had this thing of going. Uh, we we were looking at three point field goal attempts and free throw attempts. Like if you were a superstar, one of the most important components back then that was prior to this new HMBA, mm-hmm. it was you should have more free throw attempts than you should have three point attempts because mm-hmm. that would just make you a more efficient player. Okay. That was the thinking at the time. Yep. So, oh no. Let's let's look at James Harden. James Harden is averaging 10.1 free throw attempts per game, uh-huh. which is in, in it's that's insane. Yeah. That's insanity. That's so good. And yet he has more three point field goal per attempts per game. Ten point six. That's crazy. That's wonderful because that new age obviously that old line of thinking that's no longer valid. Right. Things have changed. You know, you've gotten more informed. But that just caught my eye. Like when you look at a guy averaging ten free throw attempts, you're obviously going, Oh, that's like that's tops. Like you, you can't do anything better than that. That's amazing. Obviously, that's wildly efficient. And you just your eye scrolled <laughs> to the three point stats, and it's just like oh, ten and a half. Okay, sure. <laughs> New age NBA definition right there. Yeah. James is just an unbelievable, unbelievable talent, and. To have him average 31.5 points, 9 assists, 5 boards, almost 2 steals, be as efficient as he is, and still have the presence of mind of not being selfish and allowing a guy like Chris Paul, who has always been ball dominant, mm-hmm. to come in and he himself average 19 and 8, mm-hmm. that's, that's fantastic to me. That proves that they have a camaraderie and an understanding and a mission that everyone is on the same page. Mm. And it's so clear that when you look at that team, also from the bench and the starting lineup, 
the defined roles of I'm a three point shooter, I'm a screener and a roller, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a defend I'm a defender, I'm a rebounder, I'm this, I'm that, my roles are this and this and that. They get it. And whether or not they can beat out Golden State, I'm not gonna say that they can, mm-hmm. but I'm also not as confident in Golden State as I would be if the if the Houston Rockets weren't in the conversation because I still have them highest, sure. Golden State, that is. Yeah. But the margin has lessened significantly over recent months. See, I would say the Rockets can beat the Warriors. Would I pick them right now? Probably not. I mean, it's still right. the Warriors. That's how but, I feel. But, like, yeah. of any team in the West, I mean, I feel like the Rockets are really the only team that could beat the Warriors. I know there was... Yeah. Talk about, yeah, well, the Thunder, you know, they were up, they beat them both in, in their first two regular season matchups, and they match up well against them, and then they get waxed by 32 points on national TV. Like, the Thun- yeah. it's not happening for the Thunder. The Thunder too, are too inconsistent. Without Andre Roberson, they just don't have the defense to shut them down. The Rockets, Agreed. I mean, they, like, Daryl Morey has just, he's been completely out in the open about this all year. He has designed this team with the Warriors in mind. Like, they, I mean, yeah, they're mostly, they're, I mean, they're going to focus more on offense than defense. They are uh, second behind the Warriors in offensive rating. Their defense is still top 10. I mean, they're ninth right now, but the Warriors are fifth. I mean, the Warriors are a little bit mm-hmm. better than them on that end of the floor. But as you said, more, I mean, Harden is playing, I mean, Harden is the MVP front runner right now. Chris right. Paul, I mean, <laughs> if, if, uh, if the All-Star game, if they didn't require all those dudes who got hurt, uh, if they didn't require replacements from the Eastern Conference, Chris Paul would have made the All-Star game. I mean, he's, as you said, averaging oh, yeah. 19-8, almost six rebounds, two and a half threes, almost two steals a game. He's missed, yeah, it's amazing. He's missed 18 games, but, I mean, he's playing at just his All-Star Chris Paul level. I mean, remember before the season started and there was like, Oh well, what about? Are they going to be willing to share the ball together? Is that going to be an issue? No, that 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 died. That narrative died like two games into the season. They've just right. the way he meshed is incredible. I mean, Trevor Ariza, he he's streaky, but he's still shooting nearly thirty nine percent from the three point range. He's a good defender, be really valuable against a guy like Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. They just added Joe Johnson and Brandon Wright, both of whom will be good. I mean, they they said Wright's just kind of kind of be insurance depth uh, in the front court, but Joe Johnson's already playing. He's played four games. He's averaging twenty minutes, eight minutes a game. I think that just his veteran experience there, and he's still a useful scorer. I mean, I know people in Utah hated him, um, but in 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 this Houston system, I think he's going to do well. They, they, it, it feels sort of like a souped-up version of the Raptors. Like, they have their top two guys in Harden and Paul. <laughs> yeah. They have... <laughs> That's a good way. Clint Capella, who is a phenomenal player in his own right and could really oh, yeah. give the, the Warriors trouble. I mean, that's long been their one theoretical weakness is just, you know, they don't have a star center unless... <laughs> Zaza hurts Clint Capella, and then it's going to be an even slate. But then they just have a bunch of role players. They have Ariza. They have Joe Johnson. They have P.J. Tucker. They have 
uh, Eric Gordon. They have Ryan Anderson. Mm-hmm. They have Luke Mabamute. They have Gerald Green. Like, it's going to be really interesting to see how they match up against Golden State. And I know people have been – there's some stat that keeps going on on Twitter every time they win. It's something – there's something like 30-1 and one or 31-1 and one when all three of Harden, Chris Paul, and Clint Capella yeah. play. That's accurate. So, like... That seems significant. Yeah. I mean, again, going back to the, the ESPN BPI rankings, or playoff odds or whatever, the Warriors mm-hmm. right now, according to BPI, 42.1% chance of winning the NBA title. Houston's number two at 26.5. They're, the, they're ahead of anyone in the Eastern Conference. Well, that, I mean, that's pretty self-evident, though. I, I guess... Because if they beat the Warriors, they're going to beat anyone in the... Right. Yeah. I mean, the two best teams by far in the NBA are, are the Warriors and Rockets. Then there's a gap. Mm-hmm. And then we probably enter into Toronto territory there. But, I mean, let's not let's not underestimate the gap there is from two to three. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, 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 do, I think that's... I mean, in any other year... The Rockets here would be championship favorites mm-hmm. by <laughs> a, a pretty substantial uh, percentage, I think. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it they just mesh. Here, here's the thing that I'm really concerned about. If I'm a, a Golden State fan or a fan of everyone else, Eric Gordon has been somewhat pedestrian this year, percentage wise. Mm-hmm. If the play, when the playoffs roll around and he just start becoming the Eric Gordon of old. Dude. Yeah. I know. I mean, I mean, yeah, percentage-wise, he's been relative. I mean, he's shooting like 42% overall, 33 from three, but he's averaging almost 18 and a half, or he's averaging 18 and a half a game. Like, right. that's a, you know, if if Clay Thompson, or if, I mean, I'm assuming Clay's going to guard James Harden for most of that series, but if Clay Thompson shuts down James Harden, they have a Chris Paul, an Eric Gordon, a Trevor Ariza, they have other sources of offense now, right? Oh yeah, they do. Like and Gerald Green as well. Like yeah. they they can go super small. They even closed out recently with Lupa Mute at center. Yes, they can go super duper small and have a bunch of dynamic three point shooters in there constantly, which is trying to beat Golden State uh, with their own medicine, basically. Yeah, and uh, I mean. It, Obviously, we're all hoping that these two teams, and they are, they're going to end up in the conference finals, and that's going to be the real NBA finals. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't wait to see what happens there. I think Houston is going to give Golden State a run for their money. I, I still don't have them coming out, yeah. but man, that series is is going out. That's going to blow everybody's mind. I think. Yeah, it's going to be a phenomenal. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a chance that Golden State still sweeps Houston. And I hope if that happens, no one says, you know, that, oh, well, that just proves Houston's are, are frauds. Because, no, like, this, this is the second best team in basketball. Let's give them credit. You think, though? That, you think there's, I mean, that's interesting. I would, that's, that, see, I, I've, I've sit here and gone, you know, I'm not willing to go that far yeah. and, and call Houston in the series. But I'm sure as hell not going dubs in four. I mean, I, I wouldn't predict that. I just there's a chance it happens. There's also a chance Houston sweeps the Warriors. Like, it, it any of this stuff could happen. 
Well, theoretically, yeah. LeBron James could come to Philadelphia, but that's not going to happen. So, oh, we'll get there, Mort. Don't you worry. I know we are. I know we are, Brian. No, uh, no. I mean, I would, I would guess that series goes at least six either way. Yeah, and then oh, I'm, I'm hoping for a seven. Yeah, right. I'm hoping for a seven gamer. Pray, God. start praying to the basketball gods now. Let's just. Hey, look, with so many injuries we've gone through, I know. I think we deserve it. Yeah, for we real. deserve a seven-game epic series. We deserve, after all the injuries this year, we deserve seven-game series in every single series, except for the ones that are boring. But any, yeah. like any good series, give us seven games, please. I would, I would be a supporter of that, as long as it comes with the with the caveat that no one goes down right. in said given same <laughs> game, seven-game series. Fair, fair point. Yeah. All right, Moit. Hit us with your crush of the week. Well, before I do, okay. um, I must have missed a report, but apparently uh, Dwayne Wade is considering retirement. Um, oh. Yeah, I, I'm just reading this for the first time, so bear with me. Okay. Miami Heat guard Dwayne Wade told Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald that for the first time in his career, he is genuinely undecided whether he wants to play beyond this season. Wade has said that he will only play for the Heat if he continues his career beyond this season. I don't know, the 36-year-old guard said. I have told everyone, everybody around me that I am taking it after this season uh, and go from there. It's the first year I've ever gone into the summer with that mindset. I always went into it as a free agent or opting out of a deal to get another deal. This is the first summer I can say I'm just going into the summer and see how I feel and see the position this organization is in and go from there. I'm not really concerned with it, honestly. I'm cool with whatever I decide to do. It will be my decision. So that's interesting. I mean, and and it couldn't have happened at a greater time because I was actually thinking about writing a piece for FanRag about should Dwayne Wade hang them up. Mm. So he just, uh, he, he saved me the trouble. <laughs> there you go. Thank, good, there we good go. Work, Dwayne Wade. Yeah, thanks, Dwayne. Um, that, that's interesting because, look, he hasn't been great since returning to Miami. Obviously, small sample size alert, but he wasn't great in Cleveland either. Like, he's taking a significant step down. Obviously, he's going to turn, what, 30? He turned 36? Or has turned? Uh, Let me see. Not, he's 36. Yeah, he, yeah he's 36. For, uh, he, he turned 36 in January. So, okay. timeline... The timeline kind of fits. That's that's the age where you begin to reconsider, huh? Yeah. Yeah, especially, I mean, he he went ring chasing this year with Cleveland. That did not work out for him. I mean, what's the point in toiling away with a Miami team that, it, you know, they'll make the playoffs most likely or will mm. be in that 6-7-8 seed range for the next couple of years. But that Miami team is not winning unless they somehow get LeBron James back. So, yeah, if, you know. <laughs> that, could, that could be so fun. LeBron oh like, spending a couple, a couple of years in Miami and then, Afterwards, decides to wrap up his career in Cleveland again. Yeah, just bounce back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, my crush, um, David Nawapa, man. I like I it. I mean, look, I, I gotta give this guy credit. Look, he he came in. The Bulls claimed him off waivers. The Lakers waived him in the offseason, and he's just come in and he's been sort of like a high rebounding Tony Allen type guy for him. Um, He's a great defender. He's, he starts at small forward despite only being six foot four, <laughs> but he's re- like he's rebounding the basketball at an extremely high level. He's averaging seven point three boards per thirty six minutes. Um, 
he's playing the baseline a lot like Ronnie Brewer back in the day. If you remember how Ronnie used to just lurk around the baseline all the time, mm-hmm. it's really remarkable. And over the past uh, four games, let me just pull these up here. Over the past four games, he's averaged twelve point three points, seven and a half rebounds, shooting sixty one percent from the field, and he's finally started to show some three point range. He went three from three from downtown against Philly. And he hit one against Brooklyn last night. So this is interesting. He's a free agent after this summer, uh, or in the, this summer, I should say. And given his defensive prowess, his rebounding, and if he keeps hitting threes at a higher rate than he's used to, some team could offer him a really good deal. Yeah, yeah. He's he's been. I mean, you've been love with it, in love with him all year. Yeah, I like him. I like the energy. I think he's he's a really underappreciated player overall. Um, I liked him in in LA too, but he only played twenty games for the Lakers, so mm-hmm. you never really knew if he was like if that game was steady. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He feels like someone who's gonna like someone's gonna get him on the biannual exception, and he's gonna be he's gonna outperform that contract immediately. Oh yeah, that's a good point. I think this guy is definitely destined to have 10, 12 years in this league beyond this this season like the the strength the defense the rebounding Mm -hmm. that just doesn't that does not just go away right the rebounding might as he ages but the defense like tony allen is still i mean he was still being picked up by teams because hey defense that's true yeah i mean he he i'm getting like some seth curry vibes from two years ago with him just like he put up numbers on a bad team so people are gonna like kind of ignore him and then some smart team is gonna swoop in give him Three or four million dollars a year, and he's going to be a valuable contributor. I'm gonna tell you, I don't, I don't think the Bulls can afford to lose this guy. I think he plays, should play a pretty big part in the rebuilding process. Mm. You don't find these type of guys, especially if they get him for a low price tag moving forward. You don't find those guys often. That's true. That's very true. Um, All right, Mort. For my crush, first I'm gonna, I'm gonna cheat with one. And give a shout out to Power Home Remodeling. And no, that is not an advertisement. Instead, it is a company based in Chester, Pennsylvania that hung three billboards in Cleveland this week asking LeBron James to come to Philadelphia, which is amazing. And apparently, LeBron James repli- he responded to it today. And he said, it's actually very flattering that he's sitting here at 33 in his 15th year Uh <laughs> and he's, he's a, in my 15th year and teams are guys I don't want to say teams because that becomes tampering but people in their respective city want me to play for them that's cool I think that's dope should I start getting my LeBron James Sixers jersey ready more is it too early well I mean you can but first I'm gonna need you to yeah I, I need you to remove your penis from my face <laughs> I'm just gonna get it tattooed somewhere on my body just James 23 with a big Philadelphia Sixers logo instead yeah um, and then then you should put you know what you should put afterwards you should just put like this this tombstone of ben simmons development on it <laughs> yeah yeah kelly scaletta from fan sports actually he tweeted a poll yesterday and he was asking like if the sixers could sign one of these players to a four-year deal who should it be ben simmons or or sorry <laughs> Not, they have Ben Simmons, uh, LeBron mm. James, or Paul George, and I, you know, I said Paul, LeBron James is not signing a four-year deal anyway. So if it's a one-year deal versus LeBron for a four-year deal uh, for Paul George, you take Paul George. 
But that's it. If mm-hmm. if he really did do a four year deal, you do LeBron, and you don't really like. Yeah, it might impede Ben Simmons' development, and yeah, you know you're probably paying forty million dollars for a thirty seven year old LeBron. But but count them rings. Right. The upside of the next two to three years makes whatever happens yeah. in that final year. Who gives a shit? Um, all of that said. I'm going to actually give a real crush as well. And I'm going to technically cheat because we're supposed to... I mean, you did well with David Nawaba. We highlight guys who don't get the attention they deserve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cheat with Anthony Davis. Oh, who's that? Because <laughs> last time I picked someone, I think it was Jimmy Butler or someone. You, you started chastising chest- You picked Kevin Durant. What? Oh, yeah, Kevin Durant. Still... <laughs> Fine, you you get this one. Yeah. You get this one. Now we're off, off the star names. That's fair. Yeah. Hey, Anthony Davis went after Kevin Durant in the All Star draft. Therefore, <laughs> I'm still trailing behind you. But I mean, <laughs> after what he's done in the last, I mean, not only uh, yesterday when he put up, oh, you know, a casual 53 points, 18 rebounds, and five blocks yeah. against Phoenix in a nine point <laughs> win. Like he needed yeah. to do all of that. So the, the Pelicans have won six straight games. They're currently the five seed in the West. I'm going to read out Anthony Davis' numbers during this six-game win streak. 41.5 points on 54.2% Ooh. shooting. 15 rebounds. 3.2 blocks. 3.0 steals. 2 assists. 1.5 threes. And 40.5 minutes per game. Like he's he might break if he continues playing this twenty <laughs> minutes. I'm I'm yeah. very nervous about him lasting the rest of the season playing Oh me too. More than forty minutes a game. But oh my god. Like forty one yeah. and fifteen. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. I, I, I saw I mean I've been offline before we started recording, but I saw someone Chris Towers of CBS Sports I think tweeted that Anthony Davis was a top five player in the NBA and was getting crap for it. And he's like, look at these numbers. Like he's putting up like almost 30 and 12 for the last, I think it was, let's see. Yeah. Uh, He was putting up over the past two seasons, 28.1 points and 11.5 rebounds, two blocks or more than two blocks, two assists and one and a half. There's 1.3 steals. Like, yeah, he's. I mean, mm-hmm. the question has never been with Anthony Davis. It's never been about his talent. It's just been, can he stay healthy? No, no, he's, yeah, exactly. He's only played seventy plus games in a season once. Yeah, and that was last year. But to be fair, I do believe his rookie season was in the shortened sixty six game season, so that should be noted. Uh, was it? I thought that was. Let's see, 2012. No, no wait yeah, a second. The lockout was no. the year before. That was the year before. Yeah. Okay, so my point stands. Yeah, he's, All right. Right. he's missed at least 14 games in every season other than last season. Yeah. But yep. Yep, he has. knock on wood, I mean, he has played 54 games. The Pelicans have 60. played 60. So yeah. I'm going to knock on every piece of wood I have around me right now, but he would currently be on pace mm-hmm. to break the Including the mark. one in your pants after talking about the bronze. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. He's currently on pace to make it to 70. So hopefully hopefully the Pelicans don't continue riding him this hard because 
Oh, I'm, agreed. I'm very scared for him making it through the next six weeks, but he's man. averaging almost 37 minutes on the season. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's Jimmy Butler territory, know, and he's doing more it's a now. Career high after Boogie. Yeah, yeah after but, Boogie went down, he's doing a lot more. Right, and he said this when Boogie went down. It's like, well, I've been in this situation before. It's just everything's on my shoulders. But he he's taking that seriously. My God, it's really oh, okay. Maybe we're being unfair because Drew Holiday has actually had some pretty awesome performances. He yeah. dropped thirty six the other day as well. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe we should. He's look like we've sleeping on Drew. Have you looked at Drew's line for the season? Yeah, he's averaging nineteen a game. Yeah, he's really good. Like, yeah, and so Pe- good on you, Drew Holiday. The Pelicans do have a Mecca Okafor now, who they recently signed for the rest of the season. As they is it two thousand and eight again? <laughs> you know what? Ironically, he's still the best Okafor in the NBA. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not even wrong. It's just so. Yeah. Yep. Uh, on that note, I'm going to go drink some cyanide. Uh, but in the meantime, <laughs> thank you all for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed. Please follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five star reviews. We would love any feedback. We're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports. So check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FRS Hoops with the Z. Until next time, I'm Brian Sapork and I was joined by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. And I still enjoy the C, FanRag. It's so <laughs> utterly unnecessary, but I love it. Go for it. Uh, don't get fired, Mort. <laughs> don't get fired. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine and More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine and more welcome to total wine and more it's much more than a wine store it's the eighth wonder of the world when people talk about total wine and more they get a little carried away we're just a big friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer see we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere and friendly helpful experts at every turn you know what maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world Shop in-store or online at TotalWine.com. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm feeling great, thanks. How about you? You feeling happy? A little angry? People have so many feelings, millions of them. But what if businesses could really understand all of those feelings and then act on them to make their customers feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management and it's here. Because the future of business has feelings. And I've got a feeling we're all going to like it. Go to sap.com slash xm to learn more. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.